and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Lindsay Romaine, and today we're talking about Minute 110, which begins with Ripley and Bishop continuing to help Hicks up the ramp and ends with Bishop landing the dropship. All right, Lindsay, you made it all the way through the week. This is Friday, so yes. thanks for uh, sticking it out with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right, so we got... Uh, Bishop surprised that they're leaving, but you know, obedient. Obviously, mm-hmm. they get up into the dropship and take off, and we uh, open with this. I think this is kind of a great close-up. Well, I don't know if it's close-up, like a medium shot here of of Bishop in the cockpit. Uh, again, another uh, effect selling moment. I think where get this real guy in, in a somewhat real cockpit, shake him around a little bit, and then when we cut to the model. You're sold. Yeah. So I think we get that. It's a nice. It's another nice angle on the dropship, and and we see Bishop uh, doing his thing uh, as he does, and uh, we you know as we then cut to this angle of the of the ship as it's flying into the uh, atmospheric processor. It's I mean this is a big effect shot for them. Yes. I um, love this shot. I think it's gorgeous, and it's it actually like reminds me. It, it just looks like Blade Runner to me for some reason. I know the whole movie kind of does, but this shot in particular always makes me think of Blade Runner. Yeah, it's very Blade. These miniatures of the structures, we've talked about how similar to Blade Runner they are. And how I I consider this maybe um, the second best model movie or miniature movie uh, to Blade Runner. And it was, it's interesting because, you know, Blade Runner, I guess, you know, notoriously, one of the reasons why the models worked so well was that they had all this time to work on them because of a writer's strike. Right. So they, they ended up adding all this detail to the cityscape in Blade Runner because they just didn't have anything else they could do. And in this case, uh, they realized while the effect, uh, the models that you see earlier in the movie were very effective, they realized, wait, we're going to be getting in a little bit closer and holding on this a little bit longer. So they actually uh, shut down for a couple of days to do detail work on this as well. So this sh- particular shot has a whole lot of added little elements um, in it for this, just for this one shot. And I, and I imagine uh, we have a listener named Eric Moore who is a model maker and has this incredible amount of knowledge about the background of the models in these movies. And I'm, I'm hoping that he'll come up with some some good stuff for this particular minute because uh, what's going on here is right up his alley. And I'm sure he's got some even close, like he'll, he'll come up with photographs of really close shots of tiny details and so on. So I'm hoping we get some of that here, but Eric, no pressure, Eric, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but (laughs) if you got something lying around, please post it. I'm sure there's all sorts of good stuff hidden that we wouldn't even spot. Yeah. I don't know if there's any little R2D2 sticking out or anything like, (laughs) like they tend to do in other movies, but And of course, we got the Tesla coil, like Frankenstein's lab uh, lightning going on here, right, which right. still doesn't make any sense to me, but no. uh, I love it anyway. I do too. It's just that added bit of like spooky imagery that looks really cool. Oh, I mean, it's it's something that's going to blow up. Yeah, like, and dangerous. How, <laughs> how could it be doing all of this? How could all this lightning be shooting out of it if it's not about to explode? So, no need to. Con- it's it's better than reminding us with another yet another countdown or something right. that this thing's about to blow up. Right. Because uh, we're going to get that countdown. It's great when we get it later. So, uh, might as well use something else right. for this part of the movie. Right. To get it. <laughs> totally. Um, I also love the music in this scene. Um, just that blast of like I don't know I'm a big music person a big score person and I think this is one of the best uses of it in the movies 
in my opinion. I don't know about you. No, I do. I love this too because one of the things that's going on here, um, we talked about James Horner's score uh, here and there, and, and how spare he'll be sometimes. Like where those there's places where there's not much scoring going on that you're left to feel the action. Um, that's happening as opposed to it being accentuated by the score or elevated by the score. But we, uh, one thing that they do talk about over this part of the movie on the, on the commentary, uh, it's over this part. Maybe it's a little later. I can't remember, but, uh, Cameron talks about how he was kind of disappointed in the score as initially recorded yeah, and how they didn't really have time to mess around with it or re-record a new score. So he really had to go with what he, what he had. So maybe some of those more spare moments or some of the, the points in the score where it comes in so appropriately or like satisfactorily like it does here is because he edited it that way. Cameron edited it that way. I think so too. I've, I read a little bit about that too before we recorded today, um, just about how they had all of this tension. And it's interesting sometimes how I think that ends up producing some of the most, some of the best scores sometimes is when there is that pressure. Yeah, it's, it's a good, you know, yeah, it's a good thing like to have some of that here and there as long as it doesn't push somebody to the breaking point yeah yeah, a lot of a lot of times tension will create the best work Uh, and then also sometimes editing the score will create the best work Mm -hmm. to be honest like i i you know this is the second movie in a row i've worked on uh or covered on a podcast where the composer wasn't really all that happy with the score and yet it's a lauded score it's a very uh highly regarded one right. of course on on alien goldsmith uh ridley scott just took chunks of goldsmith's score out and replaced it with other music and yeah. uh was a was a lifelong problem for uh, until the day he died goldsmith was bitter about this uh apparently I, I haven't heard as much about james horner being unhappy with the score i think he probably figured well the situation uh being what it was there wasn't much way around it but in the end he wasn't that satisfied with it Right. But clearly he uh, still liked working with James Cameron as they went on to have great success with the Titanic score. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess we're able to work together better, maybe understood each other's uh, uh, work ethic approach, you know, a little bit more. So, but you're right. Oh, I was just going to say, I read that also that it was his Braveheart score that convinced Cameron to work with him again (laughs) for Titanic. So. Well, it's good. I, we talk about a little bit how J- James Horner at this early point in his career was a bit of a ripoff artist in that he ripped himself off on numerous yeah. bases. Yeah. And maybe by the 90s, maybe he had really figured out to, how to write a true original score. And maybe that was one of the things that took him over the top finally. Yeah. But um, I, do th- I do agree with you, though. The music, the way it comes in here, I think we're, you know, we've been in action movie kind of like army mode like marine action war movie mode is what i should say um in this enclosed space inside of this um you know structure that we've been in for the last you know however long of the movie but now we've just uh taken a spaceship and we're flying into a like crazy sci-fi you know setting i think we're moving the movie the movie is moving up a little bit like we're going now we're going into more big sci-fi action totally as opposed to this just the straight up war movie and and we're going to have them um individual alone going into going into the suicide mission 
I think everything's kind of elevated. The stakes have elevated. And I, you might even say we've had a, uh, we've had problems like locating the structural breaks in this movie. It's, it doesn't appear to be the traditional three-act structure that we're used to when we break down a screenplay. Uh, this movie's got so many weird spots that come in at different times that you don't expect. Things that happen an hour into the movie that should have happened 30 minutes in the movie and so on that you, you normally would. It's all good, but this would almost feel like we're entering the third act right now. Like yeah. a, a big musical like kind of a uh, prelude to that right whenever there's that big like bombastic just like you know that like shit's about to get real and like yeah this movie or this part definitely signals all of that and it is one of the most at least i mean i guess the alien is a sci-fi element but it's the first time in a while that it feels just very sci-fi all at once you know kind of just is making no (laughs) no it's not hiding that part about itself in this moment no, not at all. It's fully committed in this mm-hmm. one frame. You know that will probably be the banner uh, screenshot I use for this episode. <laughs> totally, I, it's saying big time. This is a big sci-fi movie. Yes. And while we're still in a war movie, like as we're going to see in the next cut, like um, we're still in a war movie. But man, it's going to be pretty sci-fi from here on out. We're going to be heavy into alien imagery. Um, we're going to learn new things about this alien, which is a sci-fi element. You know, so it's it's uh, we're still a balanced film. We're still sci-fi, war, horror, but I think we're moving in a little bit. We're getting a little bit bigger here. Right, totally. The scale is opening up. Yeah, but of course, before we do that, you know, entirely move into the sci-fi movie, we have to gear up. Ripley's got to gear up, and um, I would uh, I feel comfortable in saying that this is probably the mother of all gear up scenes to me. Totally, totally. It's like setting the stage for everything that's about to come. Yeah. And just how she goes about it, like it's such, it's such a, a kind of novel way of gearing up to to take the gaff tape and actually tape weapons together. Yes, <laughs> which I think I think is fantastic. She knows from her experience on the Nostromo, you know, uh, fifty-seven years earlier, that she got to have an incinerator. You don't yes. just go in with a gun. Incinerators are very helpful and. But she also wants to use that pulse rifle she learned to use that has so many options. You know, apparently she's got one. I, I don't know. They should be pretty well armed here, right? Now that I think about it, they're on a new dropship that should probably have a lot of ammo on it. Right, right. I would assume uh, so. But it seems as though she only takes the one clip, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't could know. prove. I could. I could prove to be wrong about that later um, in future minutes. But she grabs a bunch of grenades. She grabs, slaps in a clip with ninety-five rounds. Um, tapes this thing together and then tapes the tracking device to it. Um, I don't know. I just always thought this stuff was, uh, this is a great moment. And these nice little close-ups of Scorny Weaver um, doing her pristine little close-ups of her concentrating on her work. I think this is a great, like really well-edited scene. Totally. It's such a like hero moment too, right? Just like, I don't know, anytime you're gearing up for like the next big thing, you can't help but get really excited, especially when it's Ripley. (laughs) Well, I'm just glad, you know, they save the hero shot for later. Yes. Because I, yeah, yeah. I like that I like that this is a practical, like, work moment. Like, she's at work getting this shit together. It's, it is a heroic thing. She's, um, the, her intentions are obviously her, of heroic nature. But it's not like, uh, I, and I love this, don't read any kind of disparaging, like, uh, anything into this. It's not like, uh, evil dead two, where when he gears up and ends it with the, you know, push into a close up of him saying groovy, you right. know, like we don't, we don't get her like backlit 
you know, from a low angle, right. holding the weapon right at the end of the scene. I'm glad that they hold off on that for a little while. Right now, we're hard at work. She's she's getting down, you know, getting down to it. We're going to have a much better shot later anyway that I think will give us that moment. Totally, totally. It's just, it's a more practical moment, I guess, but it sets it all up. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it keeps it grounded. Like, again, we're, we're getting into the big sci-fi movie here, but we're still in the war movie. We're still dealing with everyday people. Uh, that we're supposed to kind of feel like the, we got our blue collar folk folks here, you know, yeah. she's a hero, but she's a real hero, not a big cartoony hero. Right. Right. Not as, not as much. So at least as you see in other movies. So right. that is what the um, tape kind of shows you too. It just, I don't know. It feels more tactical and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you know, if it was Schwarzenegger, he'd be holding the guns in each hand <laughs> totally. and have ammo strapped all over him, you know, and right, right. definitely would have some kind of a one liner, but I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to use my Schwarzenegger accent today. <laughs> save I'll save you from, yeah. <laughs> so we get that and, and we get a cutaway to um, Hicks shooting up real quick. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I never would have thought that about him. I never would have guessed. Yeah. But <laughs> I guess it's probably just for the pain. Yeah. I think it's just yeah. to like, aspirin shot or something i don't know some kind of space uh well you know we do get him later um if i remember right the last thing we see of him he's fast asleep so it's got to it's probably something more like morphine right yeah it's some true painkiller but yeah and it's a weird uh when i first watched this movie this sounds crazy but it it looked like like a compass or something like you know like a school compass it has a little thing sticking out the side of it and I'm not exactly sure what the what, his hand shrouds it, so I don't know what the prop really looks like. But uh, it's apparently supposed to be some kind of future syringe, I right? Guess. Right? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, hopefully, <laughs> maybe not to put any more pressure on you, Eric. But if you have a picture of this prop, uh, we'd love to see it. <laughs> totally, the compass syringe. The compass syringe. <laughs> all right, uh, that's all I've got. Do yeah. you have anything else? Do you yeah. have any other general thoughts about aliens or anything you'd want to share on your last day? Um, no, not, nothing. I mean, I was on before and talking about aliens, so I don't think I really have that much to add, only that it's an awesome movie and I enjoy talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't you, uh, one last time, tell everybody where they can find you online. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Romaine, Lindsay with an E, Romaine with no E at the end, not like the lettuce. Um, and then you can also find me weekly on Thrillist.com. And um, I also am doing a lot of Halloween content for Slash Film. And uh, I'm doing some Vulture stuff. So, yeah, I'm around in a bunch of different places. Great. Well, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. You can find us at AlienMinute.com, Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast, or on Twitter at AlienMinutePod. Um, once again, want to thank Pete and Alex over at Star Wars Minute uh, for loaning us out this concept they will be coming back soon at star wars minute for revenge of the sith if that's something that you want to listen to you definitely should uh if you've never checked out their coverage of the original trilogy or the first two prequel movies or any of their other content you definitely should um star wars minute's a great show all right well that's going to do it for minute 110 we'll see you next week for minute 111